Yeah, sending this one out to my man Killer Bay. trying to figure out how to start this is like i feel like i've been on this journey for years and i'm still at this place where i'm just trying to bustle down through the door um and i kind of hit a couple of themes like what's happened with my family and stuff and my brother getting sick and having to like step up to the plate and really support everyone and sort of be be there around there and then the meaning of everything gets a bit different but it's like a hankering feeling inside me that just wants to like be this person where I'm not quite sure who that person is, but it's free and it's flying away, you know? Feeling a bit, feeling a bit stuck. Feeling a bit stuck. Mm. I think you know, it's just, and I think the lockdown and everything like that was sort of that, that emotion of trying to be in a bit of a cage and wanting to bust out of it really. What's, um, what's your brother sick with? He had, a, uh, had chronic leukemia when he was, 22 he got diagnosed and he's a couple of years older than me but he just had a had a headache one day and then they went and got uh tests blood tests and then that's what it was because i because yeah, i heard a reference to that in was it in hometown or in fortune cookie there's a reference to it yeah 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 it's yeah. in hometown it's in yeah. hometown um brave face back and will got the bad news brought balloons saying brother get well soon yeah and that was a really big part of my life like that was it brought me a lot closer to my family, but it was, um, it was four years pretty in tight sort of supporting each other. Oh, sorry to hear that, Mike. That's, must be pretty No, it's just grim. a fact of life. Like, if anything, yeah. Do you feel a bit... Um, I actually, just before I moved to London a couple of months ago, I found out my old man got um, cancer as well and definitely made the idea of going away a lot more complicated as well. Yeah, doesn't it? Uh, so was that kind feel of the, the same I, sentiment. I feel a different of, sense of responsibility yeah what do you feel i mean do you especially with the idea of hometown being want to get out of melbourne did you feel almost like um like i in some sense almost felt like i was abandoning my old man if if that makes sense even though but like he told me you know well he didn't tell me but i'm sure he would you know you can't think that way but um yeah so it's kind of yeah they quite, say people say that but it's sort of like but i wouldn't leave it's so true. In the, yeah. In the of it, like, I don't think, um, and that's what a lot of the second verse of hometown is kind of about, um, is like, yeah, I'm going to do it. Like I'm going to leave. You've got to be like, okay. Cause if I don't leave and if I stay here, I'm going to be, I'm going to do bad things to myself. Like, I'm mm. going to take myself to a bad place mentally and, physically spiritually in order to compensate for that mm. Thing and I, as someone sorry go on no just as someone like that advocates finding your passion finding your thing finding your dream and going as hard as you can at it i felt like you know do as i say but not as i do sort of thing mm. so that was kind of the predicament i guess the only advice i'd give is make sure your brother is honest with you about how he is whilst you're away. If you ever 
you know, move out of Melbourne because like, that's what I said to my old man. I was just like, like money's put aside to come back if anything goes wrong. So just, you know, don't, don't feel bad about telling me if you're feeling or if it's getting worse. Do you know what I mean? You're right. I guess the best thing for me was Will, he started getting like, he did, like he's a hell of a long road to recovery, but he started getting better and he started getting more active and, mm. You know, he just does shit that inspires me like every day, man. Because he used to be a, he was nearly a pro golfer before he got sick. Um, and seeing him now and from come from the wheelchair to just walking around, getting back to doing what he loves, it's like, oh, it's like if you could put life in front of you like that, it's like, wow. Put, puts it in perspective. Have you, have you written about people in your family before? Yeah. Yeah. I always feel weird putting it on a record that I'll release for some reason, it's much easier to do with like ex-girlfriends or something like that than be like family. Cause they'd sort of seen you before you were doing all of this. Mm. They, um, they kind of, especially I imagine with hip hop, it's sort of, it's almost like it's a prerequisite that you've got all this bravado and confidence and your family more than anyone know that they've known you since you had none of that. Yeah, well, they've always known me to have a bit of that. So, <laughs> from the job, so like, yeah, I think it's more, more the introspective kind of stuff where it's like, hey, um, like I haven't told you any of this, and I haven't told anyone any of this, but this is actually how mm. I feel about you know, and I think that's sort of what the whole expression and then this album and everything was just so much pent up that I was just able to go, Wah. yeah, you know. For sure. Who were um who were some of your main influences as an artist when you were growing up? Well, everything that was sort of playing through the house was all the big, all those big rock bands and things, like all the Queens and the um, Mick Jaggers of the world, Elton John's, the big, they were always front men with lots of bravado, like the Freddie Mercury's and things that just... When they help on a stage, they command the whole room and everything they sing is done like caca, you know, and commanding crowds. And I was, I remember just seeing clips and hearing and things and just being like, yeah, I want to do that. <laughs> your, um, your personality makes a lot more sense now. <laughs> it's more Mick Jagger than it is anyone from hip hop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for real, for real. And I think that's eventually, I think I found... I found hip hop when I was like 13 or 14 and it was cause I was good at it. Like I knew how to freestyle, like, and I was always writing songs and maybe like, I didn't have the skill of like a singer or anything, but I kind of knew what it was meant to sort of be. Were you always a good, were you always a good writer at school or is it just, you're just a good. Yeah, I was good. I just didn't apply myself much, but I would always do like my subjects at school would always be like the English literatures in English because mm. I knew I could get in that spot and just go blah 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 blah. Is there anything is, is there anything you do to keep yourself sharp lyrically, or do you just write as many verses as possible? Or will you? Because I know like you always hear about like Eminem and stuff going through the dictionary and just memorizing words nonstop. I didn't do that, but I can tell you to get to where I am as an artist today. There was a lot of there was a few years of a boot camp that took place. Um, like I used to, as far as writing though, so there's kind of two parts to that answer. One is that when I was writing, I do something, I had a book called The Artist's Way, Julia Cameron. And like, 
that changed a lot for me because I started doing these morning pages every morning. I'd wake up, write three, a four pages of whatever I was thinking, just wringing the sponge of my brain first thing. And what it taught me was to be able to connect to my subconscious a lot easier and sort of access that place and just freely express because a lot of songwriters will tell you they have a lot of trouble when they get to the second verse because you've said something, but then you have to go a bit deeper into it, deeper into yourself, whatever it is. Um, and so I do that. Uh, and then I'd also, back in the day, like I would just read songwriting books. I'd listen to podcasts. I'd go down to the library. I used to, any song that I enjoyed, I used to take down to the library and I used to dissect like what was happening in the music to that point. They dropped this out. They did that. And I think that combined with just living and writing and everything sort of progresses you. But what kind of advice would you give to other people coming up then? Like how, if you could tell your younger self when you were first starting how to structure a song, how to write, what kind of advice would you give? Do the work pretty much. You've really got to put the time into the craft of it to get the results. Um, and there's a lot of different things in a broad expense. To be honest, if I was telling my younger self anything, it'd just be be patient with it. For some people, you kind of, for some people, you start a bit further on in the race than others. Um, for me, I had some skill sets that I did well, but there was always stuff where I had to work on. Like I didn't know how to really sing. So I had to teach myself how to sing because I knew if I could subconsciously do that, then I'd be able to write something better. So I think it's just looking for chance, not getting comfortable and just look at chances to evolve. Did you have, did you have a long period of from when you started of not liking your own stuff or like when did you actually start to really think you're quite good at this or do you still not? Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea. Even now, even now, like unless it's like the stuff I've just made the other day, I'm like, turn that shit off. We were listening. Well, it's like wins. I'm like, I can't even listen to this record. Like I just don't like it. It's not something I'd listen to. Down at, um, down at Rexy's place last month. At Rexy's place. So, so yeah, but there were moments there were moments because when I started, I was like, just so I just had such a chip on my shoulder. Um, and I was going through all these aliases. I remember back when I was called Templar and I had. Mate, I like Templar. All Gravy. I think All Gravy is one of your best best tracks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All Gravy sick. It's classic. Shout out to Niche and Grizzly Charlie Varden did that. But that was like, had no idea what I was doing. All I knew was I just loved doing this thing and I just try and get everybody in a room and then it was like I had no idea about music really so whenever I heard a beat I was like this is the best thing ever because it was all so new to you all so new yeah and then as soon as it was do you know what's funny about that is that probably within four days I kind of made like an eight track mixtape and then it's like you take like a hiatus for like four years before you Mm. realize like but once I made that, I was pushing that shit out. Like I was calling everyone and I couldn't understand why no one didn't like it. And then you kind of, that's a big thing with artists. I don't know if you find it with your field, but you kind of have to, the ones that make it and the ones that break through are the ones that can kind of like wake up to themselves and have like self-awareness about their art. Mm, you mean better at judging their work? Yeah. Better, better at being objective, objective about what they're doing. Right. So, right. well, so what do you think is different then about what, how you approached it when you were, how old were you when you did All Gravy? 
shit, twenty six now. It would have been twenty. It would have been probably 20. six years ago. So what's different between how you approached songwriting then and how you do it now? You're just better at curating which tracks you want to rap on. You're a bit more. Well, I did. The essence is the same. The essence of what you do is probably like if you paint or whatever, like the essence of what you do is the same. It's the like, it's the techniques that kind of evolve. It is so interesting. I mean, like, as you said, we've discussed this before and like you and I don't like a lot of our old work and I don't think that's uncommon for a lot of artists. Um, but maybe it's because, I mean, I mean, other people just see a new song as a new song. And it's, you know, something different to what you've done before, but you as the artist don't just see it as different, but you sort of see it as a uh, progression in your style. Like you're, you're always trying to level up. So to you, your old stuff looks in looks inferior, but to um, other people, it just looks like stylistically a different track. Would you agree with that? hundred percent, hundred percent. And like, it's impossible to, I think, isn't that why it's funny? Like, doing this is actually such a deeply personal thing because someone could, some people couldn't really care. Like if you're progressing or not, they just want you to hop on this beat and spit some bars, but it's the internal thing that makes you want to go this way and that way and like explore and continue to evolve. I think if there's one regret I had, it was sort of in the time that I was learning and I was evolving, I was very harsh on myself. I still am like, but, and that time I was very like better, 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 better. Cause where I was and where I wanted to be seemed so far away. Mm. Yeah. Do you feel that way now though? You feel you're getting, or do you feel you're getting closer to where you thought you might be uh, when you were thinking about it six years ago? I think I'm exactly where I need to be for the time I'm at in my life right now. Creatively too. Like I feel, I feel like the amount of hours and stuff that I've put into this, like now a studio and a session and a song and songwriting is of it's just my it's my domain like mm. it's kind of where that's where i feel comfortable it's where i like i can perform you know i feel the same it's almost like um like it felt like a chore like even though as as satisfying as it was to do and it's what i wanted to do it always felt like a chore whereas now it kind of just feels it feels kind of addictive like i'd much rather be in that's the studio true. yeah but do you know do you know what i mean it's like Hundred percent. Like it almost socializing almost seems like it was always, you know, you'd stay in the studio rather than going out for a few drinks with the boys because you were but like the temptation would always be there to go out and socialise. But now I'm just like, um, well, now I'm in London, I haven't got anyone I know. But back in Melbourne it was just um it got to the stage where it was almost more exciting to be in the studio than doing anything else. Yeah. Always took priority for me. Hmm. If there's one thing I always did, it was always try and put myself in spots studio it's like like i would drive i'd drive like an hour and a half two hours i would go to like the weirdest trap houses where they're making like doing all kinds of things and <laughs> uh but i wanted to be in there i just wanted to be in studios like i wanted to be in environments because that was where i felt like I don't know. It's just, I don't know if you get this other thing. I just feel like it's where you're kind of. It's most time exciting. Kind of it's, it's a very exciting place to be in a studio I reckon, of any kind, like whether it's an art studio or anywhere creative, I think. Which is funny, isn't it? Because it's just like a cardboard box 
maybe has some lights or a bit of sunlight in it, but you can feel like there's a sense of possibility every time you're there. And like, I think for someone whose life is or as organized chaos as mine is like, that's home. It's a glorified, glorified cardboard box. Well, what's the, um, what's, um, a full day's work like for you then? Like from getting up in the morning to finishing working, what would, um, what's your routine? Like, do you just, is the majority of your At time the spent? Or when I was making the album. When you're making the album, like what's the majority of your time spent doing? Writing verses? Um, writing verses, performing, mm-hmm. listening. Like I'll, I get pretty obsessive. So like when, when the album was happening from song to song, and I was so lucky because of um, the production of Adzi and Hazel, who are just amazing. Like I think that was a big thing for me was the, universe kind of brought together this sort of collaboration and they're so high level at what they do that it kind of forced me to really step up be accountable and think and try and do things better so if I had a typical night was waking up doing those morning pages and then I'd actually go into my car and in my car I do some vocal warm-ups and things and I'd listen to whatever I was doing the night before and then I just chuck on and I just keep writing and I just keep rehearsing and things. And then by about, I do that for a few hours. And then by about two o'clock, I would call Adzi and I'd say like, I'm coming around, like we're ready to go. And then from about three to four, I was just kind of in there workshopping it until like, sometimes until like five in the morning, but it just depends. Um, in that process, there was never your sleep timetable and everything was just like, nothing it was like zoom, just eyes on this project it was weird but it's incredible at the same time and what comes first the lyrics or the beat like will you beat. write a song beat. probably beat 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 but there's always like because for me a song is like a song idea comes from just an observation or someone sometimes someone says something and i'm like shit that's a cool like that's a bar like that's really dope do you have a notepad <laughs> Do you have a notepad or you just write it down on your phone? No, well, my phone notes are like everything, and but I have a pet, I have a notepad next to my bed as well, just in case like something comes. Like, and you and you don't want to forget the thought either. I get the, no, I get no, the, uh, I get the same when I've had like an idea and I'm just like, I like to sit on the idea for ages as well, anyway. So, but so I'm gonna, I'm gonna write it down by the time I decide if I'm actually gonna do a painting it's probably you know six months down the track from when i originally had the thought but you always want to make sure you never forget the idea in the first place so you just desperately race to your notes and make sure act very pedantic about that forgetting ideas hey you only learn you only learn from forgetting them and being like ah yeah that's devastating well yeah once once you realize you've got nothing good to paint you're like probably should have been writing down those ideas from before but um yeah but then you can see it's if you can log them, that's why the notes are so good, man. Cause if you can log them and sometimes like if I meet a new producer and I go into their studio and they start playing something, I can like look through this big dictionary of inspiration. That mm. could be like a few words or something. And then all you need is one thought and people who have, once you start writing a song, I don't know if it's the same when you paint, but once you start, everything is there. Mm. It's just like that first little jump into it. And then you're, you get to see where it goes from there. The um, like you're coming along for the ride. The restlessness goes away as soon as you start. At least that, that's how it is for me. Like the sort of anxiety about, you know, really want to start doing this idea. 
that's sort of all gone once you've done it. And then most of the time you're disappointed and you have to come up with a new idea anyway. But uh, maybe that's just me. <laughs> I feel like that's just life in general though, isn't it? Like, yeah. If you actually make the jump, you start like things start figuring themselves out in front of you. Do you reckon the great artists though, like, do you reckon like Nas thinks his music is shit or do you think he's aware of how, do you know what I mean? Does I've always thought for the greats, surely they're aware of how good they are, especially because a big part about being a good artist is being able to recognize good stuff. So it's like, I've always wondered, like, do the great artists think like in the same way we don't like our old work? Do you reckon they don't like their old work? Do you know what? I think the older you get, I think you look on yourself with like kinder eyes. Like mm. if you like, if you've done the work in the past, you can kind of like look back and be like, oh, I can see you. Like you were, you were figuring something out there. Like you were on the way. Like mm. for me, I get a bit of that. I'm like, oh, you were on, like, if you could see what you were doing there to like now, but at the time that was like, you were just getting the tip of the iceberg. So I think that you get an actual, like, you get a little dictionary, not dictionary. Like you just get a memory book of your progression and uh, like something good art, like a good song or good, hey, like everything has its merits. Mm. I think it's also though, like, like people are always changing. Like I'm sure your personality is different to how you were even just like a few years ago. But the difference between like the average person and say a musician or a artist or whatever is you're sort of leaving a, um, you're leaving a piece of content that's sort of like particular to your personality at that time. It's almost like, it feels like someone else, you know, saying that, painted that and it's it's almost like seeing an old facebook post that you made and you're like why the fuck did i write that you know I mean? <laughs> so you, true do you agree yes man I, I think like especially when you're like just expressing yourself like vulnerable as of like a time like mm. especially if it's over a girl or a love or something or a feeling and you're like shit like that was either maybe it was happy but or like that was dark as like that mm. was just that moment in time um relationships are like that like they're a good like microcosm for that because it's like you like at the time you're head over heels over a girl and you like that's probably aside from like a death i've always said like breakups are like the most depressing thing that you go through like early on in life and then but then three four years on you're just like how was i that upset over that one particular person and yet you you're probably I even here i guess for some people like what was that even a year or something like yeah. I just had this conversation with someone the other day. I'm like, frames of mind are so interesting because your environment can change so hectically in six months. Yeah. Well, you're in the situation now where you've got a, you've got a track about that. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, it's yeah. going to be interesting to see how you feel in five years and stuff. But again, it's kind of nice. I guess it's quite nice to sort of express yourself when you're in that frame of mind. Yeah, well, that's what this whole thing is about. Like, uh, to be honest, though, that's like I'm obsessed with the whole craft of it and like trying to improve and things like that. But at the end of the day, like, I do this shit because I can't, I'm not good at talking about it. And there's like, I, yeah, and that's the way that I express how I'm feeling. It always has been mm. some sort of poet, like, it's always poetry. It's always like, whether I can do it cryptically or I can do it something just so I can kind of get it, get it out there. So you can at least, you at least told someone, you know, mm. Mm. I kind of, um, 
like I, maybe it's just because I would find it so dissatisfying not to be creating content in my life. Do you know what I mean? It feels like I'd hate to have, I just don't like the idea of a career where there's um, not like a, I always liked folios. Do you know what I mean? Like at school and stuff, like art folios and stuff. Like I loved sort of having this whole sort of well-presented record of stuff you'd been making. And I'd hate to have like a, I wouldn't hate to, but like a career where sort of what you're doing is a bit more intangible. I've always thought would be so much more dissatisfying. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's clocking in, clocking out. Mm. You would um. I did that with this album. It was the first time I did it, and I'll definitely do it for every one I have in the future. Like I bought a studio, like a folio, and for each track I was like putting in pic, like collaging pictures, and I'd like. There's a couple of tracks in there. The whole song, I just watercolored like the lyrics into the page. Um, I'd be keen to see him. Yeah. I've got to go inside the house to get him. And we were just sitting our floorboards redone. Send, photo, send photos of them to me. I'll send, I'll, um, I'll send photos because they're, they're, they're cool. Yeah. I'll put it on. Uh, if you're happy to, I'll put them on the um, Instagram. Oh, yeah. I'd love to. But that was because that was it, it's like, I'm so glad I did it that way. Like, yeah. I'm so glad I have this piece because i can see my thought patterns and i can see and that's a beautiful thing of like writing so in the moment and those decisions are so in the moment like mm. whether you're putting that line there that word there that word there and your brain's constantly doing you're just like going along this puzzle going here 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 and then when you get to the end of it and you see this little cross mark here that little thing there and then you've just got this and it's always there once it's done I always tell that to people too, like any art, like once, if you can do it, once it's done, it's made forever. It's mm. there, there. That's you why just I have mean, to- I often talk, I often talk to people like they'll say, um, uh, like, you know, a lot of people don't see the point in painting portraits of people when you can just take photos, but I'm like, a painting's going to be. Oh, that's like, such a shit like, answer. Aside, aside from like the more sort of conceptual ideas and in, in why I think a painting can be um, superior to a photograph. It's also like a, a painting will be there. Like I like to think that my paintings will be around like 500 years from now, whether they're, you know, respected 500 years from now or not, but it's like, they'll still be there. Whereas photos peop- are a lot more ephemeral, especially now that we can just take a million of them. People, people, you know, don't hold on. I, I think it's much more likely that a portrait of someone is going to survive longer than a photo of them is going to survive. Hell yeah, man. Portrait's like pretty much like a statue of like if you can get a nice portrait or something. Look look at like how we look at portraits through time. Mm. I doubt we're gonna look at like Casey's iPhone folder of mobile <laughs> uploads like in like you never know, mate. You never know. They'll they'll make an I see my aunties and things, they've got kids. And those home videos when you were a kid were so mm. special because they were like the root the the thing was fuzzy and there was only so much and stuff, and now it's like Look at my kid, look at my kid, look at my kid. Yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be wild and like like imagine if you're like a ancient Roman historian today and if you had like Julius Caesar's iPhone collection, like all the videos that he'd taken <laughs> of himself. Do you know what I mean? Though like imagine two thousand years from now, the historians Take looking selfies back on in the bathroom. You and I would have made more content about our own lives on our iPhone than there probably is content for the whole of ancient Rome. And so I think two thousand years from now when people are looking back at this time, they're just going to have a lot of content to work from as far as writing our history. 
Um, yeah, but that's like the staying power of content and things too. Like, what do you do it for? It's like the whole singles and albums and everything now. It's different though. And I don't know, it's probably maybe just in music, but everything's so consumed so quickly. Mm. Like a, the, the album I just made was my heart, sweat and soul. And it's, it's going to be consumed in two weeks. And like, I understand that. And people might go back to it and things, but you think about artists you listen to and things like that. Mostly you just go, and there's another one. And then you just go, and you go through the phase. Well, I don't, I don't know what it is about a lot of music that you can only listen to a song like, I don't know, five to 10 times before you get sick of it. But without blowing smoke up your ass, I've definitely found with wins in particular, all gravy, um, hometown. I actually preferred fortune cookie to hometown when I first listened to the tracks you sent me, but hometown's the one that I've been able to listen to more and more. And so a lot of your songs I find, you know, you don't get sick of them as quickly as you would with uh, a normal tune. I don't know. I don't know. I wonder what it is with songs that are structured in a certain way that makes them trashier in the sense that you get sick of them quicker. And it's a lot more pop songs. You know what I mean? I, I like that. Um, but yeah, I definitely get, I definitely don't think that'll be the case with, um, with your stuff. It's good. Well, there's layers. There's, there's layers. And once again, that's this, combination of Adzi and Hazel and the production of it. Because the first time you listen to it, you'll be like, this beat's cool. And it might take you until the sixth, seventh time listening to it to actually hear what I'm saying. So, mm. Or like hear a harmony that's put there or something there where you go, oh, okay, well, kind of- I always find those the most interesting songs are ones that are so lyrically complex that like Infinite by Eminem is a good example. It's like, I've listened to that song a hundred times, but I still don't know the words to it at all. Like when you hear it, it's impossible to rap along to. Do you know what I mean? Because it's so, so complex, but still so listenable to it. And I get that a bit with, with your music. Um, but yeah. I'll send you the updated album after this. Have you updated from what you sent me? The, um, yeah. the song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit. A little bit. A couple you... bits and bobs. Well, do you, like... I mean, you'd listen to your songs more than anyone else, I imagine, just in the process of recording them. Do you sometimes run into the problem of knowing it so well that it's hard to gauge what other people will think of it? Like the equivalent in painting is not being able to see it for fresh eyes. Do you find yourself just constantly revising and revising and in, in your mind improving, but then you sort of, um, you, you kind of lose track of it? Yeah, sometimes you start beating a dead horse with it. Yeah. So you do get that. I try to catch myself off guard with it. Like if you, like I'll try to listen to it when I'm annoyed, when I'm happy, when I'm feeling myself, when like I'm annoyed or mm. sad or something. And then something might prick my ears differently, but yeah, man, like I, these songs I've listened to so many times that once they're done, like now I've kind of like disconnected, like the stuff I'm writing now, I'm like, wait till you hear this, you know? But you're not though. Cause you're revising it. Yeah. Well, there's always ways to it. Yeah. But once it's, once you get the master done and you're like, it's done. Like there's a couple of songs where I was like, I called up and I just get, cause I must be like quite erratic. I've realized about myself. Cause I'd call up and I'm like, can we, can we, uh, uh, there's not something easy here, here, here. There's the keys allowed. Like, and since like chill, chill, like I almost need to put, keep putting that energy into going forward. And you sort of can appreciate once it's done, it's done. Mm. Not getting too OCD with it. 
Yeah, but be OCD, but get, take it to an extent. Mm. Do you, so you'll get like a um, you'll get to a point where it's the master track, but then you'll over the next month or two you'll listen to it and think of what revisions you can make to it, and only if it's definitely a revision worth making, then you'll go back to the master track and alter it from there. Well, the master track you'll get back when it's like, like you'll send a track off to get mastered when you're like, yep, this is it. So everything before then is the try this, try this, try this, maybe turning this up, maybe turning this down. Um, and for me, it's like a lot of that stuff is the character because recording, you don't want to be like perfect. It's not as fun. Like it's kind of boring. Like you want to have, and the only time you get, so if there's some little quirk in there, you want to, that's sort of, you figure out what the moments are in the song that are cool. Mm. Way, the way you said this, like the way this layers on here and stuff, because whenever I'm in the process of doing it, I like, I'll tell Adzi every time we were recording it, like go through a thousand ideas mm. and sift through all of them and then be like, okay, this is good. Now that we've exhausted all options, this is what sounds good. Will you write, will you write like 10 verses and then you'll refine it down to like two or three? Or will you usually write? With Hometown, I did. With Hometown. Hometown was the most I've written a song ever, probably. Most of the time. Is that because it was, it was closest to, I mean, you felt quite strongly about what that song's about. So there was a lot to write about. Yeah. Cause it's like, um, cause if you hear it, it's not like in the flow or anything like that. Is it anything too special? Like it's just in, I just wanted to make it like chronologically sentence to sentence to sentence be like, mm, it's, it's quite a, um, uh, sort of steady beat. It's not, it's nothing too sort of, it's not overly groovy like, um, fortune cookies. Yeah, or that's like Spinito and those kind of ones where you can kind of be a bit more wavy. It's just sort of like straight. So I wanted to, there was always just words and different things. I would go and I'd rewrite the whole verse and then I'd rewrite. And I kept going to Adzi's place and bless that man's soul because the amount that I frustrated him over this period of like going over there. And I don't think I would be the nicest person to be around when I'm not getting it because i get so upset with myself like and i would just yeah i just crack the shits but i'll go home and i'd rewrite it and i'll come back the next day and we'll do it again and we'll just keep that process until you kind of get it and then you get it and you completely forget about all the time it took to get there yeah it's, it's, still, it's, it's like it's easy, it was easy i think um i'm much the same as well. Like I'm not a good person to be around when I feel like I've been painting garbage. Like I guess because you feel like you let yourself down. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. You feel like you're, um, I don't know. It's something like, cause it's such an egotistical thing. What we do. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, I know, I know. Even this conversation I'm talking about, all I'm talking about is myself and like, mm, yes, but is, like, even, but you have to, yeah. you have to, and it, but it's, you like, have to. it's like, um, like when you're, it's the highest high when you feel like you've nailed something artistically. Oh. Like when you think something, when you think something like even when you think an idea you've had or how you've painted something or how you've recorded a track or something you've said would, would actually be monetized. That's sort of like, that's quite a almost arrogant way of thinking, but it's sort of what it is. And then when you start fucking up, it's the lowest of low. So it's like, I think that's I, like, oh, I'm so uh, shit. 
Yeah. yeah. I think that's why, because it's almost embarrassing. It's more embarrassing to do, like, someone who's never recorded a track before, if they went and recorded a song and it was shit, they'd be like, ah, well, who cares? But if you did, it's such a juxtaposition between how good you usually are that you just feel so, you feel so embarrassed. And it's kind of the same I find when I'm painting. But uh, it's been uh, so long being shit as well that now not being shit like being shit again it's like ptsd from those days where like yeah your old housemate matt white like he was in the trenches yeah shout out out to matty shout out matt because that man gave me i owe him time because he gave me so much of his time and i was just so bad and like every time we do things like i mean he might see the merit and be like no 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 we were onto something but for me, it was like, there were some times we go out and have a dart after recording something for like five hours and we wouldn't even talk and we'd just be like, Fuck. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, is this going to work? Like, <laughs> and shout out to, shout out to Maddie as well. Cause he did all, he produced all the music for the podcast as well. Yes. yes. Big time. Yes. Shout oh, out Maddie. And shout out to you, mate, for being, uh, doing the mob deep. Uh, uh yeah. Let me not get the intro. Yeah. 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 It'll be on this one for sure. <laughs> I um I feel um more recently you've begun to sing a bit more uh, melodically than you usually do. Like um, I'm thinking of "Be Someone" um and "Batshit Crazy." Is that is that um I imagine that's tricky because it's you're almost presenting a more vulnerable side of yourself than you do in most of your other uh, songs. Is that the case? <laughs> As in why I, as in I sing like that because it's more vulnerable. Well, does it require a bit more confidence to put yourself out there like that because it's a vulnerable side of yourself rather than you know the sort of typical hip hop tune, which is a bit more bravado and confidence? It's just harder. It's just harder to do, and I think it's sometimes it just hits, especially emotionally. I think it hits. It just depends on the on the song, but it's hard to it's it's actually really hard to say, man, because it's such a mood sort of thing. If I sit with a producer and he plays an emotional guitar riff, like I'm going to sing or mm. say it be someone. Um, when I met, when I went over to Ray's house, he had like the beat and the chorus pretty much there. and was just like, Oh, okay. So like, I'm not going to come on here and spit bars. Like, um, but if a producer shows me something that's like, Oh, and I think it's something you're trying to, it's progress. Like you're trying to push. And I've always found like, for me personally, even just from a personal, how I am, what I listen to, you kind of grow past just the pure bravado stage. Mm. Um, and you start fucking around with melodies and like just different songs and you can just do so much more. Like mm. I think that was what, that was all I tried to do was get my craft to a level where whoever I was working with at the time, I can kind of chameleon into that state to express myself. What was your, um, what was your first ever performance like when you were younger? Because to that point, I mean, at this stage now you're saying you sort of are able to be more of a musical chameleon, but earlier on, I imagine you did have to have a bit more bravado and confidence from the jump. Um, and I imagine for that reason, hip hop as a first performance is a, a lot harder than a lot of other musical genres. Um, so was it 
pretty nerve-wracking the first time you performed in front of people? <laughs> no way. My first time I ever performed, I was six years old. I was in prep at Northern Primary and uh, <laughs> they had the whole school had like a talent show. And I was like, yeah, I'm fucking nailing this. And I remember I won that thing back to back. One year it was um, Teenage Dirtbag. And the next year it was that, hey, now you're an all-star. When I was like six years old, seven years old. And I had like the sunnies, like some Hawaiian shirt sort of thing. I trying to get the crowd bumping. Like it's just what I was born to do is this shit. And I don't get too nervous when I have to go perform. Like there's probably mm. other social situations I get far more nervous than having to go perform. Mate, I get nervous when I have to do a fucking podcast. Oh, I really? Know. I don't know how you do it, to be honest. But uh, was anyone, who else, who else would I know? Who else went to Malvern Primary that, that I'd know? That's a really good question. Harrison. Brattel? Harrison Brattel went I'd to love, Malvern Primary. I should get his, um... I should get his uh, memory about it and see what he has to say about it. Hey, a, yeah. yeah, chuck him on a podcast, man. He wouldn't stop. Yeah, yeah. he's a good man, Harrison. Um, I've told you before that my favorite track of yours is Wins. What were you thinking about when you, when you wrote that? What was the inspiration for Wins? Me, Ray and I first met each other. We like first connected over who is um, – and he produced the track and we just, I hit him up because I saw some like techno stuff he was doing where he was singing. And I was like, yeah, let's, um, let's work together. And then he sent me the beat. And to be honest, it was like more of just a competitive thing. Like, let me show this dude that I'm the fucking truth. And I was like, let's go in there and just wrap my ass off. Um, and so <laughs> we were so, we were just so young, like in the studio environment, like we had no idea what we were doing. And when you were in there, it's just bare energy. Like, let me get on this. And then you can hear it the whole song. Like, I'm just screaming this shit. Um, and I did that on that word, on the word to your mama record on this last album was the closest I channeled back to that. But that was like, you didn't care how anything sounded. All you wanted to do is give your energy to it. Mm. If I just scream over this beat and just do these bars and do this flow, it'll sound cool and when we made it i remember when we made it we were like this is the best song in the Mate, world <laughs> I, I still froth it every time every time i'm working out that gets me radios that tune i like it a lot it's um just before that just before that um at the end of the second verse when you say um many what is it uh many men many many men pretending they actually do the work when your manager writes a verse and producer just cuts it is that very common in the music industry? People not actually writing their own music? Yeah, always, man. That always. Be, that must be so dissatisfying. That You're not an artist in any sense then if you do that. You're just a cash cow. Yeah, but, you know, some people just scam artists. I, I just don't really – I don't really take it that personally. Like, because you know. You know within yourself. And some people are like sick singers and they just can't. I've been with so many singers, man, especially. And they're just like, yeah. And it's like, well, you're kind of just like an instrument, like mm. a trombone or start, like a session musician because like, if you can't write a song sort of be like in there, then you're just sort of like a gun for hire sort of thing. And 
a lot of people make a lot of money just going into studios. Like there's an Ariana Grande song. It's called like seven rings or something. And it would have been number one in the world everywhere. Um, and I remember looking it up and being like, this shit had 11 writers. Mm. And I was just like sitting in this studio being like, it's literally you as the USL and I sit with a pen and paper and then we just make this shit. It's literally like they're, they're getting a think tank together to work out what's the most addictive song we can make. What's the, uh, you know, what's the word, the, the number one word on Google at the moment, do all that kind of research. It's so fucking cringe. I love the buzzwords, but that's just what it is. That's the nature of the industry. Like it just, it's the belly of the beast. Man. And you'd say, and someone would say, yeah, well they're, you know, they made a hundred million dollars from it or whatever, but you're already filthy rich. Who gives a fuck about, I don't know. I just. Well, I, that makes the conversation as well. Like what's more important to you? Like statistics money or art like mm. and i think i don't know about you but you get when you once you get like respect from your peers and things like that mm. in that space like that's kind of the that's sort of a the one where you're like yeah like i'm doing my thing that's all that's all i care about is being respected by artists whose art i respect as well that's all the validation i'd ever want is someone whose uh, taste is a pretentious word but someone whose taste i respect being valued by them i couldn't give a fuck about being you know mainstream popular in in any any sense but oh well that's a choice some people make um do you deliberately, yeah. do you deliberately structure a song so that you can demonstrate your lyrical ability or will you always put the message of the song first i mean like rapping at an intense speed on batshit crazy wouldn't seem appropriate but at the same time you can sort of flex your skill a bit more if you do yeah but you're not making the song are you like mm. that's kind of you make an interesting point there and it's kind of like that's why you have to have faith in when I was younger, I tried to do way too much, like all the time, because you always had, a, you felt like you had a point to prove. And the more that I make songs now, it's much more of like a call and response. Like if this isn't what I was meant to be doing today, like this might be what I'm meant to be doing tomorrow. Like mm. it's, it's got a kind of vibe and the initial feeling you get is I just don't know. I don't know how to quite explain it, but there's always a word or a phrase or something that goes like "ding," and mm -hmm. then I'm like, okay, this is what the song is about. Um, yeah, sometimes I use that's always. It's actually a really good question because you trying to find the balance between trying to do something a bit different and just trying to do give the song what it deserves. Mm, a lot of great artists, like a lot of great rappers and everything, they just the beats old school beats mm. like even if you listen to currency records and things like that like you know exactly what he's gonna do every single time mm. but people love it and it's like it's like in um like grime is probably one of my favorite genres at the moment or sub genres in hip-hop but a lot of the time they sort of prioritize that demonstration of skill over something a bit more i don't know melodic or not non-artistic because it's very artistic but just yeah, it's sort of sometimes even hard to keep track because they're showing off how quick they can go. Um, but yeah. Fortune favors the brave on that record that I sent you. Uh, no, no, you sent me Batchet Crazy, Hometown, and Fortune Cookie. Oh, that's real dogging me. You're missing out on a couple records. I'm gonna have to send it for you after this. Send it to me after yeah. this. Would love to listen. Because there's a one Fortune favors the brave, and I know that for me is like there's just bars like they're just bars and it's just you, a, i think you played it in the um i, think I played oh, it yeah. in the car it was the first record yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, no, that was um, cool. but those speakers were so shit though. Like even listening to Hometown. Oh man, oh, I was just that. Yeah. It's just getting too peer pressured by Max. It always happens as soon as I show someone, and I'm like, ah, I should I have never shown it. <laughs> I could see you cringing. You were like, ah, oh, fuck. It'd be like me showing like a really blurry photo of one of my paintings to someone, and people be like, oh yeah, it's yeah, good. That's like, kind of cool. It's like, oh my soul. Like, <laughs> would have been terrible for you. Um, so you were saying sometimes like a phrase or a word will unlock sort of the rest of the song for you in terms of what you should write after that was batshit crazy the phrase for for that in in batshit crazy the song yeah dun, 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 dun. it was more that melody um and then that song just like appeared man like it was just like it was given to me um i've got generally what i do is like if i get i'll try and get the hook that night because the hook his verse is uh, I find quite easy to write um, because I've done it. I've just done it so much, mm. but getting the chorus and the, the bones of it done. If I do that on the first night, I'll go, I'll take that home. And then the next morning I'll be like, Hmm, okay, that was cool. This is what the song is about pretty much. Um, and I refuse to record that shit for ages. Like, because it was a bit of a stepping out of a comfort zone kind of track. But what was it about then? What's the song about? This song is really a reflection of myself. Like I had an ex-girlfriend and it kind of like, it's probably the first real relationship combust that happened. And I think it was like the year I had or whatever, but I was in a pretty dark place. And I feel like, I feel like I'm, we both were. And we both were kind of enabling each other in like pretty like unhealthy ways, like whether it was like alcohol or drugs or whatever it was. Um, and even though it was best for me not to keep, like I started like a new job somewhere and I was like, you kind of go through that period when you leave a relationship, like you should still be seeing each other. Like you mm. can't still be doing this shit. Like it's fucking unhealthy. And I remember like going over to, her house one night and we got kind of like fucked up and I like fell through a table like and I got a black eye like it was like a glass table it's fucking it's weird actually saying this out loud but you got to say it at some point but mm. um I think all relationships seem all relationships seem a bit crazy out of context so I wouldn't stress yeah that. yeah For me it was like an internal being like dude, I'm fucking losing my marbles here. Like I'm kind of going batshit, batshit crazy. Um, and that was sort of like the first verse of that song is literally, it was easy to write because I just wrote the experience and the situation. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, like the artists, sometimes you just, the most, the ho most horrible experiences make the best songs. Mm. Um, and that was, I didn't know when I'd write about that. Sort of like what we were saying earlier on with my brother and things like that. I didn't know when, I don't know, even if I've fully gone into that or when the time is, when mm. the music will bring it out of you. But for that record, it was sort of the right time to just sort of express that situation, I guess. Mm. I think it's good because it's, um, I think like some of the most successful songs and some of the best songs or even just some of the best art, no matter what the genre is, um, is always when the idea is, like couldn't be more personal, but at the same time is universal because then everyone can sort of, I don't know, they can 
put themselves in your shoes as they're listening to the song. And I think you did that's that. That's a really awesome point, Jules. Mm. Um, that's a really awesome point, bro, because that is the endeavor, I think, of what, now that I'm a bit more mature with this shit, that's the endeavor of what to try and do is to actually just be like, okay, I'm not, we're not different. Mm. Like we, everybody goes through similar experiences. Like if everyone goes through similar fucked up experiences and we all have demons in the closet kind of thing. Mm. If you wear them and you can express them and try and do them in the raw kind of emotional form, like it's going to hit someone because mm. too many humans on earth to not be going similarly through similar things at the same time 100 and i think that's why love songs are i'd be like i imagine like 90 percent of songs are love songs or you know 90 percent of the songs that are you know in the top 100 or whatever all love songs because everyone can sort of relate to uh, yeah they look situation. to their partner and go you know that's why that's why i'm talking about being like a cash cow rather than an artist that's why i've always thought like someone like ed sheeran cannot be heartbroken every <laughs> you know, do you, do yeah. you know what I mean? That was like you're a multi-millionaire. Sad, sad about everything, but I reckon he just does it because he knows um for that reason. I know, you know, personal ideas um that are also sort of universally felt. Uh yeah. The most absolutely. Um is rapping only a young man's game? Do you see yourself creating music 30 years from now? Fuck me. Heavy question. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so, but I think I'll do it more just for fun. Like, I don't know if you heard that new Nas album, but you're just like... Mate, unreal. Yeah, unreal. And he's just sort of going in there and he's just doing his thing, man. And I, I think... That's two albums in two years from, from him as well. I know, it... like none for however many years before that. So uh... life moves in mysterious ways. I think the... I'm looking forward to through my life because this is the one channel of how, like I'll go, I don't know about you, but I get very, very frustrated and irritable if I'm not creating. Same. Yeah. hundred percent. Like very, I'm not nice to be around. And like, I think like if I become like a dad or if I do this and that being out, it's like you said, like that folio of the journey, mm. like shit, I'll look back to when I was in my early twenties and be like, damn, like you just had, me against the world kind of mentality and then you get a bit older and it comes more about community and you get reflective and then you might meet a girl and then everything you write is a love song and then i've got kids now and now it's Mm. about you know like that's the the journey it feels like a um yeah when when you're not making stuff it definitely feels like you're wasting your time because you're like yeah especially if you haven't you know made it you know yeah you're kind of just like I don't know. I've de- I've, yeah. I've, de- I've definitely got um <laughs> getting a bit personal here, but I've definitely got cold feet in relationships before just because I'm like, fuck, like I feel like it's gonna hinder my productivity <laughs> as far as being an artist goes. Do you know what I mean? And it's so yes. it, it's so self-centered to say that. So uh, self-centered, boy, but it's so true. And I'm sure they felt that way as well, <laughs> that it was self-centered. But anyway, is what it is. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. And I think that's Jack and then have you got are you got a girl at the moment? No, nah, no, nah, not at the moment. <laughs> so case in point, neither no. do I, but there is that and and it's not even in my field of vision at the moment because it's so like the art is so just like bzzz. mate. I, I feel outside of a relationship, I'm so much more not even productive. Just, <laughs> that too. But just more like 
I don't know, like, I don't know, maybe it's a bit placebo or something, but I just feel, I feel like I'm, I'm more dangerous with what I, dangerous is a bit strong, but I'm more. I like that word though. Yeah. Well, it's like, I'm less, like at the moment I'm doing, I'm planning these paintings, which are, um, I don't know, they're, they're a bit confronting, I guess. They're sort of like, um, it's, oh, I sent you, um, uh, yeah, one of the drawings. yeah, a bit like bit confronting. It's like, you know, torture victims, which. I don't know, I think is conceptually quite an interesting idea and a good a good sort of vehicle for depicting uh, the nude, which I think is one of the, like, you know, the most interesting subjects in art. But I don't know how sort of hesitant I would be to try certain themes if I then had to go to my girlfriend's place and, you know, my girlfriend's mum and dad are like, oh, what are you working on at the moment? Oh, just, you know, <laughs> yeah. me with a bag on my head. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I know exactly what you mean. But then again, it's sort of like I've never been more excited to do these pictures before. Like I'm actually think I might have hit a good idea. I don't know. We'll see how they come out. But um, yeah, you think it's a lonely man's game? Very creative. Very. Yeah. Is um is everything you write about true, or is hip hop as a genre a space where you can inhabit certain characters with a bit of fictional license? Are some songs autobiographical, and are others sort of a role played by you as an actor almost? Ooh, man, such good questions, bro. This, um, so there's a record on the album called, right now it's called Spinito. It needs to be called something else. I'll remind myself after this, but it's basically that I'll, I can create scenarios, like that sort of scenarios if there's someone, like a mysterious sort of um, girl or interaction or something, it might, it generally comes from a real place and then you take a real interaction and then you let your fantasy take over of like different ways it could have mm. panned out and things. But otherwise everything on this album was a big brain bleed. And I, to be honest, I just find it, I used to write with someone, um, Felix Garner Davis, when he kind of taught me how to do this shit when I was like 18, 19. And he used to be like MF Doom and just like characters and words and things and everything made sense and didn't make sense at the same time. But it was like, it sounded good. And lyrically it was insane. Um, and for me, I always thought I was shit at what I did because I didn't do that. And because most of everything I was doing was like, I'm sad or like I did it. It was just life events like mm. this, like, um, so for me, it generally the best songs best songs always come from a real experience you can't and there are good songs man and there are great songs and there always are and you know and i can listen and this is what you're saying before about um about artists being able to be like appreciate their work i appreciate a good song there are out there are songs on my album that are good songs there's a couple of their great songs you know um and that's when you get a different level of emotion. There's a different experience you're coming from. There's, do you ever feel that about any of your work? Like there's some work that you've done that's like, yeah, this is a good piece of work. Like this is, mm. this is cool. But this is like, whoa. Mm. Like, yeah. As in, as in one of, one of my works is whoa, or uh, a work by another artist is like, whoa. And you sort of feel no, one of your works. If you were like, honestly reflecting on it, you could be like, wow, this one, I really, um, like there's there's a few that there's a few that surprise you. You're like, um, I'd probably say like, like nine out of well, probably say like seven out of ten paintings are competent, 
Mm-hmm. Two out of ten are terrible, and then one I'm kind of like actually turned out how I originally yeah, yeah, yeah. planned it. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, but it's um, and that happens more and more. I mean, I'm sure you're getting this too. It's like the longer you do this, the more you're actually making, you know, good pieces of work here and there, and it actually becomes a lot more exciting to do because of that. I mean, art sucks when. You're really into it, but you can't draw at the start when you're, you know, first trying to teach yourself and just everything you hate. Do you know what I mean? And you're just throwing it out. Oh, yes. Mm. When you can actually, and I think that's, I relate to that so hard because that's for me, I had all these ideas, but I couldn't, I didn't have the talent to express Mm. them or the skill level to express them. And I think that was what, like, maybe I sing more now because I just can like, cause there was, that's actually what's going through my brain. And that's sort of there. They never, ca- they never came out how you'd planned them. Whereas you're, they're slowly looking more and more how you originally planned them. Is sort of how yeah. I feel with my work. Yeah. But I don't do as much planning. Like you, I think with yours, like you have to go in with it, with a, with the thing. Is it, I don't know. And this is actually yeah. interesting. Like, but plan, is it mainly I, is it fully formed in your head and then you paste your brain to this? I because my work is quite slow going because it's I mean it's fairly representational. It um I generally have it all figured out before I start, but occasionally I'll be um well not even occasionally, very often I'll make an adjustment, but it's not sort of like a um you know, it wouldn't be as sort of spontaneous as uh, you know, the way you might freestyle on a track. It's more like uh, I might actually put a flare around the figure there. All right, so I'll draw that in, come back to it later. It's all very, um, I'd say I don't improvise with the paintbrush. I'll I'll change ideas up whilst I'm still sketching it up or whilst, it's, whilst I can still change a section of the painting by sketching in a certain thing, but rarely will I. I've always admired artists who can do that actually, who are quite um, uh, good at being spontaneous with the brush itself rather than just in the way they plan it. Um, right but yeah because i'm very because i'm very in the moment like i come i have to get an element of i can't i'll write with a base idea but i have no idea how it's going to sound at the end i just know that this melody is sick and these bars are sick and the idea of what this song is is great but once i'm headphones on and i'm doing it i'm figuring it out and you figure it out on the spot as you go and that's why that moment of the actual creating is so like rain man hyper focus because you're you're nothing else you're so just like you have no idea how it's going to sound at the mm. end did you on um wins you, you know when you double the speed at the end of that second verse um was that it did you freestyle did you freestyle that or is that my imagination that um uh, there's a part in there that's freestyled for sure at the end um uh, because i was just feeling it and there was a couple of different takes that we did that i was just sort of like because ah, that's your that's your most impressive i think that's sort of like the most impressive lyrical stuff i've seen from you just in terms of the speed it kind of reminds me of um you know twins the big pun you know that start where he goes super quick yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just goes on and on and on and you think it's about to end and then just keeps going like shit like, yeah i think i used to love doing that stuff um and to be honest jules man like the only reason i don't do that now is because i just don't listen to that much shit of someone going hmm. but when i was younger it was like 
I, it was like impressive to do. And mm. so you try and like, you do it and like, you know. And again, and again, that goes to what we were saying before about putting the artistry of the song before the showiness of lyrical complexity. Yeah. You should yeah. write songs and just not take a breath, bro. Like, I just like, <laughs> it doesn't matter what speed it was. Like, I'd be at a doof going like, and someone just like, shut the fuck up. Like, yeah, it, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, Fortune Cookie off the new album definitely feels very autobiographical. Not um, not necessarily just in the lyrics, but in the um, flow of the song. Like, the that spacey and sort of relaxed tone seems uh, most like you as a person. I think. Would you agree with that? Yeah, that's so interesting because that's like, it's probably, it's just kind of my vibe. I think mm. it's like a real reflection of my vibe, uh, Fortune Cookie. And I really tried to do something different and unique on that record. And it's something I'm exploring. I'm in the studio at the moment and I'm exploring it because I felt like I'd scratched the surface to something different. Mm. And whenever you do that as an artist, you're like, whoa, like that's what really fucking gets me excited. Um, Unfortunately, Cookie's really cool, man, because it's very, it's very delicate, but it still has these thumping drums and bass and mm. just feels like wavy. And um, yeah, and for me, it's a cool way of songwriting because you're saying so much without saying anything at all a little bit with it. Mm. like kind of giving not as many like it's not but it's sort of like cryptic kind of deeper lines towards like a theme mm. it's a cool song man and it's almost got a bit of a sinister undertone to it almost like it's a bit I see yeah it's song, but it's yeah a bit of a darker side also as well thrown in with the grooviness i like it yeah man thanks man yeah i do i do that's probably I, I think no matter when I would play that record, there's probably one where I'm like, mm, can always vibe without getting too analytical. Yeah. Are you, um, are you, you've seen Defiant Ones, Doco, yeah? No. Nah. Oh, you haven't seen it on Netflix? Mate. Oh, oh really? Best, best hip hop documentary I've ever seen in my life. Defiant Ones. Uh, I think there's like four episodes. Anyway, mate, make sure you watch it. But they, what surprised me with that was like, Dre and Ice Cube and all those guys from the jump had all this footage, like they documented everything from their life from early on. Like they'd, I don't know, they must have hired a cameraman or something early on to just record everything. But there's, I mean, there's footage on it of the first time Dre and Eminem were in a recording studio together um, ever. Oh, I have seen this actually, yeah. yeah. And he starts playing that um, My Name Is. And like they, that's the first five minutes of them in a recording studio together. They recorded uh, "My Name Is." Um, are you doing? Have you thought, or are you doing that in terms of documenting all, like you know, you recording your time spent with Adzi? Um, and if not, would you? Because I think that'd be pretty interesting. Pretty interesting content to see. I would. I mean, now the mediums change. Like you'd almost, I've definitely thought about it. Like, would I just go live here and actually show you what the process is? Um, but then I get very like, and it's something I should probably change about myself. And like, like I said, it's probably from the hiatus of not releasing things of being like, hang on, hang on, hang on. Mm. Like, um, but we used, I used to a lot when I was a bit younger, there was someone with a camera there, like the whole time. Um, and now do you know what, man? It's probably the bigger the studio, the bigger the moment, probably the cameras. But 
at the time when we were making it, it was uh, it was lockdown in Melbourne. Mm. Like half the time, I shouldn't even have been at his house, but it was like you had to, you just had to go do it, and so it just sort of felt. But it felt a lot, in, more, lot more intimate that way. Mm. It's cool. It's cool either way. But yeah, I would love to. I would love to, and I hope more gets documented um, along the journey. Because because I don't even mean. I don't even mean like document it and upload it like that week. I mean, just like 10 years from now, just have this whole cache of footage yeah. put together like a mini documentary about it or I just think that'd be cool. But Yeah, um, man. We had a lot of that, a lot of that footage has happened. A lot of handy cams, a lot of, um, mm. a lot of camera footage has sort of come. And you can see different stages. Like I see stages where I had like the mullet cracking and like this and that. And you're like, yeah. you know. That, um, that one that you did on the, bridge in melbourne was sick maybe like six months ago nine months ago oh That's just huge. like a one take kind of yeah, going along one take shot that was a cool shot yeah I mm. yeah i i got in the um i got in a rhythm of that um shout out scorp he was like shooting a lot of those um one takes but then i sort of realized like i was doing them and i was like oh kind of just chasing my tail to make content here like i kind of need to make an album and actually like use my art because Sometimes just spinning bars and stuff can be a bit of like a be a bit of a party trick. Like you kind of write a verse in half an hour, you could spit it the same day and then call it something you worked really hard on, you know? Mm. Um, that's uh, the whole thing you were talking about earlier is that staying power of a record. And that's sort of, I guess, what I'm chasing more than the, uh, more than a, oh, that was cool. Or like, mm. oh, you're good at this. And I think I've gotten to a point now where I'm like, I know I'm good at this. And now I'm now I want to be great at this and have you have you show your parents and but also show your kid or someone young and old be like, this is a great artist. Yeah. Legitimize it a bit more. Right. Yeah. Right. How much um how much creative license does a producer usually have on a track? Are you are you content to let a producer shape the direction of a song? Or are you a bit more uh, pedantic about what the sound and beat should be. No, for me, for me, collaboration is. Um, I'm sorry about the darkness, by the way. That sun just went. No, that's the, all good. Um, for me, the collaboration is everything, and especially with someone. A lot of sessions with Adzi, who produced this next album, is um, he he has he has. I had so much I could learn from him. Maybe he had a couple of things he could learn from me, but there was. Yeah, it's that that back and forth is everything to me. Um, like I'm much, much, much better riding with someone else in the room than I am by myself. Mm. If it's not a deeply personal thing, but in the creation of it, um, I'm definitely someone that feeds off someone else's energy and ideas. I almost need I almost need someone to filter through all of my bad ideas and be mm. like, oh, that one might have been okay. And they've got um to what we were saying before as well, like they've got fresh eyes on everything you're doing, whereas you might not actually know what, what you're making is too used to it. Tell me, um, tell me more about, um, Adzi. What does he bring to each track you guys make? He brings everything, man. He just brings the source and the soul. Um, and so does Hazel as well. There's a lot of interesting points on this, um, record like even that batshit crazy song the only reason i have the song is because he'd been sitting on a riff for two years and then as soon as i heard the riff it was like there the song is and i think we worked really well together because there was a bunch of stuff where i think he was showing people when they couldn't quite see what he was doing 
but I could see what he was doing and it connected with me. Mm. Um, but he's, he's just one of the most talented people I've ever come across. And I've come across some really talented people while, since I've been doing this, but just for someone to have the ear and the musical ability to, if you need a keyboard here, if you need something here, if the drums are here and as a, more of like just a lyric based and melody sort of songwriter having someone where you like if you can steer a ship and he can actually take you somewhere you know he makes um does he make your job easier yeah yeah and he lets he lets me be able to actually explore if i was working with a producer that they just gave me the beat but there wasn't there there wasn't the talent behind that then you're very limited then all I can do is just work with what you've given me and write the chorus here and here, there. But if you really want to craft something, it's like, which is why I was saying to you before, is that there's, you just want a skeleton and then you want to start putting it together. However you might like. Um, you want um, you want some parameters to work within and a producer gives you that framework kind of. Yeah. Yeah. They can pull you back. They can let you go. Mm. Like, yeah. And also they have to, they have to sort through all your shit. Like it can kind of be a thankless job. Like he's like, he's like your therapist. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and all the bad takes and all of the, this and the, that and the long nights and stuff. Like the producer just has to sit there, listen to you mm. get frustrated. And I think that was something I always thought about a lot was um, like, fuck man, like this dude's giving me, and both of them, him and Azel, like they're giving me so much of their time, their energy and their passion. Like, you want to hold back on being too hard and you and it made me want to, it made me want to get up in the morning and rewrite the verse or mm. maybe want to get back in there and be like, no, 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 you know? And cause you had someone you had to impress now. Whereas, you know, when, sure. you, when you're just making it yourself, it's, I can imagine you get a bit more complacent. Interesting. Hey, do you reckon that's just a thing in life you kind of need? I mean, that's probably why they say who you're around and everything is so important to how far mm. you actually push that's yourself. Actually, that's a good point. Not just holding yourself accountable, but the things you hold yourself accountable for, because that'd be reflected in their values and what they do as well. That's interesting. Um, yeah. So the business model for the music industry has obviously changed a lot. What's the best way to make money through music these days? Is it mainly through live performances? Yeah, shows. Mm. You can make money through, you get 0.02 cents per Spotify play. How much? 0.02 cents. So if you make, if you get a, if you get a million plays, you probably make something towards fifteen grand, probably. Yeah. But then you've also got to split that with whoever you're working with, or if you've got a label or a distributor manager. Um, so, but now economics of the industry really puts you in a position where your song is a promotional tool to get booked to a show from. So it's um, I mean. How hard is it though to be in to just run every facet of sort of your own personal music industry, like as far as production goes, marketing, um, and obviously I'd assume there's a lot more money to be made if you do it that way rather than you know through someone else. Yeah, it's a lot of it is how if you you start off with a big pie and then it's how much how many slices are you prepared to make to get to where mm. you want to go, um, how much you can keep more of the pie, but it's going to take you a lot longer and you need to have more skills and you need to be more onto different assets and things. Um, I wouldn't be able to, 
I wouldn't be, I literally wouldn't be in the position I'm in now and have an exciting bunch of things happening if it wasn't for guys like Liam McMahon and Q and things who are able mm. to sort out back end stuff for me. And, and that's something I've realized getting older is like, don't try and do it all yourself. Like, mm. Try and actually reach out. And I went through situations where I nearly was with labels and nearly with these sort of things. And it never, it just never sat right because. I'd never, yeah, you can kind of, there's comfort, there's comfort in not doing it yourself, mm. but there's also a ceiling and the ceiling is also a lot lower. Um, and there's also independence as well. I mean, you're not being like I've like with commercial galleries, for example, I think the worst thing they'll do is in, in art, the worst thing they'll do is like, you know, we've sold 10 of your paintings with a, um, I don't know, a a car was in it. All our, all our clients love cars, you know, they're, you know, so make, make more paintings with cars. And it's just sort of counterintuitive to originality, I think. And they'll push you in a certain direction. Whereas if you've got your own independence, um, you know, you're sort of, you're more inclined to try new things regardless of the financial reward, because at the end of the day, it's just your financial reward. It's not anyone else you need to be paying off or no one else is, uh, relying on that pie being there, if that makes sense. Yeah, and you have to have trust within your team as well because independence doesn't independence doesn't um, extend just out to labels. Like you can have managers and you can have friends and things that take away your independence because mm. they see something working and they want the best for you. So they'll be like, go down this way mm. or whatever. And you'll be like, yeah, okay, because you trust their opinion. Mm. Um, but in doing it, you're kind of, it's that whole thing. You're just still doing a disservice to yourself. And no one would, I mean, no one would advise you to become a hip hop artist or a painter anyway. So that's like, you know, some, some yeah, 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 yeah. Very so true. So Very true. Like, um, I, I've been, I think our parents would have been quite worried about us early on. Oh, you don't know the half of it, man. Yeah. <laughs> your parents, what were your parents like with it? My mom was probably better than my dad because but I think it was just a lack of understanding. They kind of got around it with different things, like whether my dad was on a tram and he saw someone wearing one of my T-shirts once and he's like, why are you wearing this? And, like, oh, fucking da, 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 da. and then he gets all chuffed. But my mom was, um, my mom wanted to be, all she wanted to be was an actress. All she wanted to be was a performer, an actress. And I, that's directly where it came from for me. But, um, and her not getting out to like live throughout that dream, I think she loves... What I do. Mm. Yeah. And I, but I think when you're, because it's an element of music, they don't understand. And there's, it's hard to get tangible results. I feel like parents are very based on what they're able to tell other parents as mm. in like, they're able to tell their friends cause they catch up and they talk about their kids. And if you feel a bit mysterious about your kid, then you might get a bit self-conscious. And I feel like that's the only time it would have affected them. But otherwise I was very headstrong, man. I find it, um, I, I, I find it very hard to convince our parents' generation that hip-hop is the most sort of artistic of the genres in terms of, like, you know, lyrical complexity, sort of. I mean, it's, I, I sort of see hip-hop as, you know, sort of like beat poetry, like what the, um, you know, like Jack Kerouac and all that were in the 50s. Like, it's, I mean, it's not it's not Shakespeare, but it's, you know, it's the closest thing our generation has to a No, it's of, the same poetry. thing, though. If you, well, if you... If you can, if you can do it that well, you can. But they're sort of few and far between those artists. And if you're trying to sort of convince your parents that you know, 
I guess they get they get sidelined by the um the aggression and the um and the East Coast yeah, West Coast words. the East Coast West Coast drama. Pull. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they just have all these dark memories of all that crip and blood stuff. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And even in uh, that's interesting actually, even with the Shakespeare comparison, because it's like um I mean, they would have been pretenders with that too. Yeah, hundred percent. And and it's um because it's even with the way like Shakespeare's structured in um uh, like verse, so like each like an entire play will have like most most of his plays are in iambic pentameter, which is like there's five beats per um line, so it's like to be or not to be that is the question. Um, and so even in that sense, it's um hip hop. Well, all music does, I guess, but it has that same rhythmic structure to it. And it, again, it goes to that sort of parameters that you have to work within um to create the art. It's interesting. It's, it's an interesting comparison because it's essentially the, the same thing, just with music on top as well. Well, look at all of it, man. Look at haikus and um, haikus and things and like old samurais and things. Like mm. you, before you die, you express yourself. Mm. You know, it's like yeah, it's really interesting. It, everything's sort of it's kind of sometimes I have that thought that nothing ever quite changes. There's just a new spin on it, just a new skin on it. Mm. Um, it's interesting though to think like what in in five hundred years what will um, our our generation be looked back on for and I think I think it's always the genre or the thing being created when that's dependent on the technology of the time I think that always becomes very um, particular that that makes it stand out historically like I think um, cinema in five hundred years will obviously be like the medium of our time. Um, just because you know it was it wasn't possible at any other stage, and then because it wasn't possible, the most the all the best ideas are done in this period because that's when it began. Um, and the same would go for you know hip hop, just with the kind of music that you can create, synthesizers. Um, uh, it's all going to get automated though, man. I think they'll look at us as like the beginning of the internet age, really, and like from there, sort of like who the fuck knows where all of this goes, but they're their information age they'll probably look upon us at like where you had and look what we, the fuck we did with it just mate we live in the we live in the weirdest fucking time i i find i find it so strange that like we were born pretty much within like two years of when the internet started do you know what i mean we had the fringe didn't we like we had facebook when we were like we started to get we like it we're at had a little bit where we weren't like we weren't on our phones on facebook and shit when we were like 12 mm. like uh, like like it wasn't like everything was done in an ipad but we started to get the beginning of it around like 16 i reckon is when that was i was talking to um, my family friend about this the other day and we we're just talking about how sort of fucked up kids are at the moment like because they're from must be tough mate you're like a guinea pig for just the worst experiment mass experiment ever it's just like your entire life all you've all you've done is try and get validation from people you don't really know on social media. Um, apparently, like, suicide rates are through the roof. I feel like kids are um, taking drugs way earlier as well. Like, everyone's getting on the... God, people, yeah, you know, man. Kids are having like, stuff at 15. Yeah, you, even, mate, I've heard younger, like, year eight's getting on the gear, and I'm just like, Jesus Christ, like... Yeah, um, man. Crazy. Not good, but... And I was even thinking, it's weird to think, like, we could... Like you and I could potentially live through three centuries if we make it to 106, which is possible given like medical 
medical advance. Imagine if we lived through the what 20th. What I've done to my body, but <laughs> we'll see, mate. <laughs> Reverse aging, but yeah, 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 we'd be through the 20th, 21st, and 22nd century. That'd be fucked. That would be fucked. Uh, tell me, um, tell me about um Felicity. Yeah, Felicity. Um, Felicity started as an idea by Liam McMahon, um, who has done it's kind of been on my musical journey, like, and is just like a best mate of mine, but he has pretty much just like propped me up from day one. And then it was sort of like, as he was getting older, it was sort of figuring out. And if you know, Liam, he's just always been like a stylish dude. And so they kind of came up with an Italian friend of mine who's now in Milan of the idea of what Felicity is. Hmm. And what it means, it means happiness, doesn't it? Felicity. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Eternal yeah. happiness. But it also means one's true form of expression. True. Because I, I always knew Felix meant happy. And I always assumed like Felicity and Felix were the, were the same thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like complete happiness, Felicity. Um, and also one's true form of expression. It's cool. So I came on board to really get the thing going. And um, essentially, it's just a platform. We just get brilliant artists like yourself like like great designers through the city and then we just get some sick high quality garments and we connect them both and then we try and um and then we just use mediums like and i, I suppose it was sort of learning through music videos and all this kind of stuff like you providing like designers with that medium like give them because a lot of times it's someone's if someone's making stuff for brands or they're doing it like they're making incredible artworks but they're just like yep here's 500 bucks like latest mm. um and so felicity is just about making like cool felicity is basically about making cool shit and sort of curating stays of anywhere um mm. and it's cool man because it connects us with people we've been able to meet crazy and cool people all around the world uh like we did a capture with a guy in um, Lyon in France just because he liked his style. And then we get to like bring it up, make a video on him and like concept it. And then um, I liked said, um, I liked Christian McMahon's one um, the best. I he's an incredible artist, man. Yeah. Did you see what he did for, do you see what he did for Lewin the other day, the commission on Insta? The wood or the? Yeah, the wooden one. Insane. Mate. Love it. Like, you know. He should be doing that. He should be doing that just full time. I reckon. As an artist, how does that make you feel when you see that? Oh, unreal. Yeah, it's good. It's, um, yeah, it's good to have, like, it's good to have, I like, I love just chatting to you. I love, uh, chatting to James Mulcahy about his work. Um, James is insane, isn't he? Yeah. Love James' work. It's, it's really, um, especially like to what we were saying before, I mean, there's not much of a artistic culture. Wow. There's an artistic culture in Melbourne, but I mean, again, the majority of our mates are in, you know, construction or whatever, which is, which is fine. And, um, but it's, it's nice to sort of, I feel more and more of us, are sort of taking the plunge into creating art, like Christian's yeah. doing more and more of it. Mulcahy's doing more and more of it. Yeah. It's, it's definitely motivating for my own work to sort of see someone else doing it as well. And sort of exploring that. I think the thing I really love about, christian's work in where he's going is like oh okay i haven't really seen this medium before and as like an artist it's like hmm, like that kind of like unique outside the box i'm like that's really cool when something's um when something 
regardless of whether you sort of, um, you know, what you think of something artistically, I always find if you see something that doesn't look like something you've seen before, that's already ticking one box of what you should be doing as an artist. You know what I mean? So that's always impressive in and of itself. Um, and I think Christian as well, just probably because of his uh, background in graffiti as well, he's just got, he already seems to have a fair bit of a voice in what he's making. Like there's a lot of attitude right. in the work he's making. Do you know what I mean? It's not style. Always had style, sort of like something like this is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Mm. And um, they're a funny, um, Liam's like, I, I love sort of chatting to Liam as well when I have like just good energy. Um, shout out to Lee, man, because he is, um, he's an incredible hustler. He's a cool designer too, man. He does really a lot of cool stuff for us. Uh, but he's, he's got such an infectious drive and ambition. Yeah. Yeah. He's very ambitious, very ambitious from when I've spoken yeah. Uh, like all he could talk about probably the last time I spoke to him was um, I think we were at the Marine Parade house um, during one of the in-between lockdown parties and I was talking to him about um, uh, like he was talking about you and sort of all the stuff that he's working on probably would have been mentioning Felicity at the time as well and he just seems yeah probably it's embryonic stages mm, and he just seems to like manically keen and I'm like that's good energy very good energy for for what he's doing it's infectious too man um and it may, it's, it's sort of, it holds you accountable to like have that same energy in whatever you're doing as well. Mm. Um, and it's pretty like for me doing, being so entrenched in music and like in that craft, being able to like, being able to be in this whole new space is mm. incredible to me, man. Like we're working with this, uh, with a girl, Aki tomorrow and she, like her work's sick and like just to be able to go and like, shoot it and bring it to life and mm. see how it's, you know, it's like, it's, it's inspiring for me. I get to take it back to my own medium as well. You mm. know, hundred percent. It's like, um, yeah, it's good being able to sort of have a community to, I don't know, almost like it gives you more of a reason to be making what you're making. You're not just making it for yourself. It's sort of like, oh, check this out. You can sort of show it to someone else. You can promote it with someone else. You can, yeah. No, That's why cool. I used to make songs, man, was just because, once I step into your car, give me that ox cord. Yeah. 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 Like, I want to see your face. I want to read your like vibe. Like, yeah. And like, yeah. that's what that moment is like so satisfying for me because, because it never, it never came through externally on numbers and like great fame and this is, and that's for me. Like that was where I got my kicks. Mm. Like that was the essence of what I did was like, I wanted to impress my friends. Mm. Like Have, Having a party trick pretty much. Pretty much, pretty yeah. much, pretty much. Yeah. Well, um, I think we can wrap it up there, mate. But um, cheers for coming on. And um, I'll see you in a couple of weeks when you get over here. Yeah, my pleasure. Sorry about the ever blackness behind mate, me, but. That's fine. The um, I think the laptop was lighting it up perfectly anyway. So yeah, it's all laptop's good. Like fine. No, nah, man. Um, and before I go, dude, like props to you, man. This is incredible. Like I really feel like you really do it. Like it's really awesome to see you in this space. Like you talk so well. Like it, it, all the questions have been amazing. Like you're just doing such a good job, bro. Oh, cheers, mate. Same to you. Same to you. Awesome. I saw you there Talking to the skies like someone's there But you brought me there for
Talking to my eyes like I'm not there